Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church, where no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. You know what I love? I love this weather. I love that cool weather. Some of you are shaking your heads and saying, no, 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 no. But this is a magical time of year. This is hoodie weather, y'all. Hoodie weather. Do you know how much weight you can gain during a pandemic and wear a hoodie and still look okay? Because I do. <laughs> yeah, the magic of the hoodie. I, I don't know if you got one of these Recreate hoodies. We're going to have to order some more. If you're interested and didn't get one the first time, let me know. Well, today I want to tell you about two guys. Their names are Ricky and Bobby. No connection to any Rickies or Bobbies that may be listening right now, or to a race car driver named Ricky Bobby, although one of them might say, if you're not first, you're last. Let's start with Ricky. Well, Ricky and Bobby were, were born the same day in the same hospital, but that's about where the similarities end. Their paths diverge considerably. Ricky's trajectory is, is, is up, and to the right, it's on an upward path. His parents are wealthy investment bankers who have been so successful that upon his birth, they decide to retire, both of them, and become full-time parents to Ricky. They give him every advantage. They get him into every school. And by the time he's a teenager, he's already raking in millions in business of his own. He retires at age 25, marries a Brazilian supermodel, travels the world, lives to a ripe old age of 100, and decides, having accomplished everything, he will ride the upward escalator into heaven and give God a high five. What a life. That's Ricky's life. Now for, for Bobby's life. Bobby, well, his parents loved him, but it was tough. It was tough. When, when he was still young, his dad lost a job, and they were homeless for a while. Then his mom got sick, and his, his dad fell to pieces. So he has to get a job to support his family. Life is really tough. And... Eventually, through all the odds, he perseveres and gets into college, and he is engaged to a beautiful woman, and things look like they're finally on the way up, and then he's in a car accident, and he's paralyzed. He can't walk, and his fiance leaves him, and he moves back home, and it just looks terrible, and he gets to this dark, dark place, and he has those moments where he's questioning God like, hey, God... <laughs> what's going on? You ever had those moments? Are you honest enough to admit those moments? Like, God, do you remember I'm, hey, it's me again. Remember I'm down here? But he gets to that rock bottom place and he begins to change the way he sees life. He has a spiritual break, breakthrough and he sees some light and he picks himself up and he, he goes to therapy and he learns how to walk all over again. And he goes back to school and he, he starts a business and it's going well. And then something happens, maybe a global pandemic. <laughs> and the business tanks and it's like he's starting all over again. It's so many ups and so many downs. And he picks himself up once again. He prays and he digs down deep and he, he starts all over again. And, and finally, after many ups and downs, many peaks and valleys, he, he makes a life for himself and, and he, he gets married and he, he, he has something that is a, a good life. He gets his happily ever after, but man, was it a tough path. All right, so you've heard the story of two people, Ricky and Bobby. Everything seemed to go Ricky's way. Whereas Bobby's life was like a roller coaster. 
Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And it was scrap and struggle the whole way. Okay, of those two lives, which one of them sounds more appealing if you've got to live through it? Well, the one where it's easy, preacher man, that's not, that's not difficult. To, give me that Ricky life where things are easy. Okay, but which one sounds more like real life? Which one of those guys can you more easily relate to? The one who had everything handed to him or the one who's been up and down and up and down and and get to a low spot and have a breakthrough and come back up again? Well, yeah. Hey, we're happy enough for Ricky, but it's Bobby that we relate to. Here's a profound statement. That's why you showed up right to hear a profound statement. Also, there's cupcakes. So if the profound statement doesn't like pan out, there's cupcakes as a as a compensation for that. Here it is. You may impress people with your strengths, but you connect with people through your struggles. Mm. If you want to make a difference in this world, you probably won't do it by projecting that polished Instagram image where everything is perfect. You'll probably do it when you're real about your flaws and your struggles and your pain, not in a look at me, look how bad my life is sort of way, but to say, hey, I've been there too. That's where you will make a difference. So we've been studying this character in the Old Testament named Joseph. And so far, his life has been all strength and no struggle. He's that kid who's had everything handed to him. There's a family with 13 children, 13. That's a lot of kids. And Joseph is the favorite child of 13 kids, and they don't even bother pretending it's not so. And most of the time, if there's a favorite kid, they're like, no, 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 no. I love you all equally. Actually, this one's my favorite. No, in this family, everyone knows it. It's obvious. His dad even buys him this snazzy outfit to prove that he's the favorite kid. And then Joseph starts having these dreams. God gives him prophetic dreams that tell him he's going to be ruling over the whole family. So you can imagine how that went over. Imagine you got a brother or sister. Imagine if they said, guess what? I'm not only the boss of you, I'm going to rule over you. Yeah, that would not go over too well. Uh, so Joseph is, Joseph is not exactly, he's not a bad person, really. He's maybe not very tactful. He's not a bad person, but... It's kind of hard to relate to him at this point. It's easier to relate to his brothers than it is to him. Most of the time, we're not going to be able to relate to people whose life has been perfect because our lives haven't been perfect. We are going to have a hard time connecting with someone who's had everything handed to them and don't know what struggle is like. But Joseph's story is about to take a dramatic turn. He's about to end up in a whole, literally and spiritually, (laughs) figuratively. He's going to go from being decked out to being sold out in a single day. We kind of know what that's like. You ever had your plans wrecked? You ever had your, your dreams or your hopes dashed? We know what it's like to have some dreams crushed. We know what it's like to to ask God why we've got to go through so much struggle, especially when we feel like we're trying to do what he would have us to do. That's the worst, isn't it? When you're trying to do what God wants you to do, and yet you still end up in a hole somehow. What do we do about that? We're going to find out. Genesis 
37 is our scripture for today. And we're going to start at verse 12. I think Joseph's story is going to give us some insight into our story. Going to be a lot of the reading of the scripture today. Scripture can say things that I can't, so I'm not fussed about that a bit. We're having some screens kind of go in and out, but follow along if you can. Yeah, that's not your fault, Katie. It's just doing something. I have no idea what it's doing. So I have to check our connections. So we're in Genesis 37, 12. I'll read a bit for us and, and we'll pray. Then his brothers, Joseph's brothers, went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, that is to say Jacob, Israel's another name for Jacob. Jacob said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said, here I am. And then he said to him, please go and see if it's well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? So Joseph said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they're feeding their flocks. And the man said, they've departed from here, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now, not much of that is interesting, but it's about to get that way. And Before we go there, I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray you will open up this story from the Scriptures and connect with us on how we should feel in those moments when, when we're the ones in the hole, when we're the ones who are stuck, when, when we're the ones who are just trying to do the right thing, and yet it, it's so hard. God, we give it to you, and we're excited on what you're going to speak into us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's set the scene. They are in an agricultural society. They are herdsmen, and they're, they're feeding their flocks all over the promised land And uh, all the brothers, except for Joseph and probably Benjamin, who would have been very young at the time, have been sent off to feed the flocks in a faraway place. Notice all the other brothers had to go to work, and Joseph's at the the house just drinking lemonade or whatever they were drinking back then, and he's just, he's got the comfortable life. Jacob, the dad of the family, wants to know what's going on with his other boys, and since cell phones won't be invented for another two and a half millennia, he decides to send Joseph to go check on his brothers. And uh, Joseph goes from Hebron, down south of Jerusalem, to Shechem, which is up north, and his brothers aren't there, and he has to go another while to Dothan. It's about a 60-mile trip. 60 miles is a is a pretty good trip in a car, but in days when you're on foot or maybe on a donkey, that's going to take a while, several days. And it's through enemy territory. If you read back in the book of Genesis a little bit, you'll find out that some of Joseph's brothers um, had attacked the city of Shechem not long before this in revenge because their sister was assaulted in Shechem by one of the rulers. And so Simeon and Levi go in and, and, and well, it's real interesting. Go back and read that. That's quite a story. So he's going through enemy territory. Let's give Joseph some credit. He may be the favorite kid, but he's being asked to do something pretty tough. He's going on a long journey through enemy territories, just trying to carry out his father's will, and yet it's taking him through enemy territory. Does anything about that sound familiar to you? We are living in enemy territory. You live every day of your life in enemy territory territory. We have an enemy who wants to derail the plans of God for us. The devil is really an opponent 
to God's dreams for us. Just because we're trying to do the right thing, and just because we're trying to carry out the will of our Father in heaven, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I wish I could get a hold of the younger version of me. And after I shook him really hard, you have that feeling about your younger self? After I shook him, so he couldn't see anything and he only hear my voice, I would remind him that what he's signing up for is not an easy life. This life of following Jesus is not an easy life. I realize that there are some people who have made quite a living telling you that if you just come to Jesus, just pray this prayer, everything will be so easy. But let me tell you, having Jesus in your life is the biggest thing you'll ever do, but it is not the end of your troubles. It is the beginning of your journey. You're going to have to work a lot of things out along the way. So Joseph here is trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do his father's will, yet he's in enemy territory. He makes it up there, and he's about to, he didn't meet his enemies at Shechem. He's about to meet him up at Dothan. He's about to meet his brothers. So let's go to verse 18. Verse 18. Now when they saw him far off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said one to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some beast, wild beast has devoured him. And we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So while Joseph is still a long way off, they recognize him. How did they recognize him at such a distance? Because he's wearing his snazzy coat of many colors. That's why. The thing that, one of the things they hate about him. There he comes. I once met a preacher who was wearing a blaze orange suit. And you know what? I don't think I'm, I don't think I can pull that off. Blaze orange. I don't know if he's going hunting after the service or what, but he was wearing a blaze orange suit. I just, I'm just wearing this gray hoodie and I'm real happy about it. Joseph is wearing this fancy clothes and that just reminds them that he's the favorite and they're pretty salty about those dreams too that he's been dreaming and saying, hey, we're, I'm going to be the leader over all of this someday. And imagine being these brothers. They've been working hard for weeks maybe months, pretty far away from home. Several days travel away from home. And here comes Joseph, little brother Joseph, who never worked a day in his life, and he's coming to check on us, bring a report back to dad. And Joseph has shown he's not afraid to take a bad report back to dad. That, that's already happened once in this chapter. Now, they probably were doing something wrong, but I know, hey man, snitches get stitches. Anybody else grow up in one of those places? Snitches get stitches. All right, yeah. So they're, they're really not happy with him. So they decide to do what many older siblings have wanted to do to a younger sibling. They're going to get rid of him. I have a younger brother. Yes, he's still living. Yes, I didn't get rid of him. But I thought about it. When I was in high school, I got my driver's license before him, obviously, and I would give him a ride to school, which I thought was very magnanimous on my part. I thought it was, here I am, driving him to school. There's a problem. He doesn't like my music. He's mad about my music. Now, in his defense, I went through a weird, sad Hank Williams senior phase my junior year of high school. Does that anybody else have something... Like that, uh, just me? Okay, just me then, okay. So he got tired of hearing old Hank, and he opened the CD player, and he threw it through the yard like a Frisbee. 
I thought about throwing him through the yard like a Frisbee. For you younger folks, CDs were these magic silver discs that had music on them, and you didn't have to download anything, unless you're one of those people on LimeWire, that was a bad idea. Anyway, or Napster, um, didn't have to download anything, you didn't even have to have an internet connection, it was music. It, was, it, just, it just happened. Anyway, I just want to let you know, I understand the temptation to do away with one sibling. I understand it. Okay? I get it. I get it. I never did it. He's still alive and well. He's fine. He's probably too big for me to whoop now. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'd say, well, well, my mom's here, so I'm not going to say anything more than that. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> my parents get this. I love my parents. When we were teenagers, they bought us boxing gloves. You know what? It worked, too. It worked. All right? That was, that was a lot better than bare knuckles. Uh, anyway, getting back to Joseph. Joseph. God has big plans for Joseph. Big dreams for Joseph, but his brothers don't want anything to do with it. His brothers hate the dreams and are ready to destroy the dreams. Do understand, my friends, we have an adversary who hates God's dreams for us. There is a wild beast that's ready to eat us up and eat up our dreams. It's the devil. The devil's going to oppose God's plans for you. Somebody said that if you never have a head-on collision with the devil, it might be because you're driving in the same direction as him. Hmm. Something to think about. If you're trying to follow God's will for your life, you're going to have some opposition. And like Joseph, even some of the people who should be supporting you might not get it. But that doesn't mean God's plan has been interrupted. The enemy cannot destroy a dream that's from God. Now, maybe we could walk away from it, possibly. We can't always walk away from the dreams. Ask Saul of Tarsus if you can opt out of God's plan. He'll tell you, no, you can't. The brothers didn't know it, but their betrayal is going to be part of fulfilling God's purposes, not the destruction of God's purposes. Listen, listen. When you're seeking and following God's will, even the setbacks can be a setup. We're going to see that in Joseph's story. Hang on. We won't see it today, but it's coming. Let's read a little bit more. Let's go to verse 21, please. Verse 21. Reuben heard it. Reuben's the oldest brother who has a wonderful sandwich named after him. Not sure where that came from, but I'm near and dear to my heart already. Reuben heard it, and he delivered delivered Joseph out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into a pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. And then we find out, Reuben, he says, uh, we find out later that uh, he wanted to deliver Joseph out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So at the moment, he's looking like he's playing along with the plan of the brothers, but he really has intention of rescuing the boy. So it came to pass, verse 23, it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him in a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and stops them from killing Joseph. And he, he really did have positive intentions towards Joseph. He, did, he was probably frustrated too, but he didn't want to see him dead. But from Joseph's point of view, 
it looked like Reuben was almost as bad as the rest. Joseph did not know that Reuben was actually for him. It looked like Reuben was against him. He didn't know Reuben was on his side. Maybe that's a reminder to us that not everybody who looks like they're against us is against us. They might be for us. And I cannot say this loud enough, but some of the voices in your life who are saying things that you don't want to hear are saying it because they love you. That's something important to remember. Not, not all the people who appear to be haters are haters. Some of them love you. So Joseph's been stripped and he's been thrown in a hole. And he's down there and we don't hear a lot about what he was doing in the hole. Except that it wasn't full of water. Well, that's, not, that's nice. At least it's not muddy in there. He's probably begging to get out. Crying, wishing, hoping, who's praying, certainly praying. The brothers do not pull him out. They decide it's a good time for a picnic. They stop to eat lunch. So verse 25. Hey, we hear some uh, sirens going by us, and one of the responsibilities God has given us on this street corner is to pray. Pray when we hear that. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray for these first responders going to whatever is going on, and we want to pray for the folks involved in that, that you would have mercy on them and protect them all. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. That's some of the, one of the things we do for our town. All right, now verse 25. They sat down to eat a meal, and then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. I just want to pause there for a moment. And we, we see Midianites and Ishmaelites being mentioned here. And it sounds like there's two different groups. But in the Old Testament, they are sometimes used interchangeably. The people groups are using it. There really were two distinct people groups, but several places you'll see that the, the Hebrew people just said, you know, Ishmaelites and, and, uh, and the uh, Midianites, they referred to them as one in the same. So it's talking about one group here. It's one caravan. So the brothers pulled, up, pulled Joseph and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So while they're eating, they see this caravan of traders, and they do what? Older siblings have longed to do to younger siblings since the dawn of time. They sell him. Sold out by his own brothers. Huh. You know, it's interesting that you, only, you usually only get stabbed in the back by people who were supposed to be watching your back. Ugh, that's painful. Sold him for 20 pieces of silver. It's difficult to pin down what that would be worth in 2021 dollars, but it wasn't all that much. Less than $1,000, maybe just two or $300. It wasn't that much. They didn't even make a lot of money off of selling him. You know, not much. I bet there, you got, a, you got a sibling. There may have been some times you were ready to sell him for a McChicken and a handful of lotto scratchers. I know it, but, but that doesn't, you, you should probably hold out for more. They're worth a lot more than that. Jake, Joseph was work, worth more. They let him go cheap, in other words. It's worth noting, however, that they sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver, a very similar amount to what Judas 
sold Jesus for, 30 pieces of silver, very small amount, relatively speaking, they were sold out for. You will notice if you study the story of Joseph, there is a lot of parallels between his story and the story of Jesus. I've heard it said that that Joseph in some ways points forward to Jesus maybe as much or more than any other character in the Old Testament. So look, look for those connections. Here he is, the brother who is sold out for a small sum, and he's going to come back and be the savior of the family. Jesus was sold out for a little bit of money, and he's going to come back from the dead, as it were, to be the savior of the world. I just want to say a little bit about Jesus, because that's who we're about here. All of this stuff this building, the lights, the music, it's all so people will find Jesus. I really honestly believe, yep, I'm one of those Jesus guys, that if you trust in Jesus, that's where the beginning is. And that's where the end is. And if you get nothing else from what we do, you need to know that Jesus is for you, and he lived for you, and he died for you, and he rose for you. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. So i got to sprinkle some Jesus in every chance I get. Now, you might be wondering, how did the brothers manage to sell Joseph when Reuben was there trying to advocate for him? But it just so happens, Reuben was not there at this moment. Reuben had stepped away. Don't know why. Verse 29. Verse 29. uh, Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit And he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more. Where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats. Poor little goat. What did he do? He didn't do nothing. And they dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether or not it's your son's tunic? And Jacob recognized it. And he said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him without a doubt. Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his waist and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Once they'd sold Joseph, they figured they would never see him again. Told their dad that he'd been killed by wild animals and and faked some evidence. That's why they dipped the, the coat of many colors in some blood. Jacob mourned for his lost son and could not be comforted. He was sure he was dead. Sure, we see another parallel with Jesus' story. They were quite sure he was dead, and he was dead. But he came back, and Joseph is going to come back. Now, right now, at this point in the story, we're leaving it at a sad note. Sold out. In a hole, sold out. They think he's dead. We've got some tough things to think about, don't we? By all appearances, it seems that God's good plans for Joseph have been destroyed. Ruined. He's been thrown in a hole. He's been sold out. Surely that means the dreams God gave him are over. Right? Feels that way to us sometimes, doesn't it? How how would Joseph have felt? We're not given an insight into his feelings here, but we might guess. If we feel like we're trying to do the right thing, we're trying to follow a dream, and maybe even you're pretty sure you're following something God wants you to do, 
and then, and then it falls apart. What then? What then? When you're trying to do the right thing and you've crashed into a wall, you've fallen in a hole, and you say, God, I'm just trying to, I thought this is what you wanted me to do. Why is it so doggone hard then? It looks like it's over. What do you feel like in those moments when it looks like you, whatever good thing was on the way has been derailed? You'll have those moments if you haven't. What, what do we do? What do we do when it feels like the Lord himself has left us hanging? And if you've never experienced that, hang on, you will. You'll have moments where you wonder if the Lord's forgotten you. What about that? What about those down-in-the-hole moments? How do we make sense of that when we're dealing with disappointment and unmet expectations and what looks like the ruination of the plans? What do we do? I've been thinking on this one. This one's been near and dear to my heart. I I've been praying all week, Lord, I need to hear this message. You know, if, if I don't preach it, somebody needs to preach it to me. So I want you to know I, I preach to myself pretty much consistently. Uh, before I preach to y'all on Sunday mornings, but I've been preaching to myself all week. And here's what I've seen in the story of Joseph. Three things to consider when you're in the hole. First is the presence of God. When Joseph was stuck in that hole, when he was sold out, did God leave him? No. God was just as present with Joseph in that moment as he had ever been. If you're in a hole, God's with you in the hole. You will not be alone, ever. Even if you feel alone, you're not alone. Second, the provision of God. No, the promises of God. Yes, it looked bad for Joseph. It looked like it was over. It looked like the promises of God had been derailed, but were they really? We know because we know how the story goes. We can read the rest of the book of Genesis. Joseph didn't know, but we know. We have the perspective on his situation. The promises of God for Joseph, the good dreams God had for him, were just as true in the whole as they were before. We can see that in Joseph's story, but it's a lot harder to see it in ours, isn't it? Because we're still in the hole. You can't see, we can't see anything but the dirt around us. But the promises of God are just as true in the hole as they are on the throne. It's true and it's real. They will become reality third is now the provision of god the hole he was put in looked like a dead end but what it really was is a portal a portal to the fulfillment of the dream i'm one of those nerdy guys who likes space and stuff astrophysicists have described a phenomenon that they call the einstein rosen bridge we would call it a wormhole. If you like watch Star Trek or something, it's like a wormhole, okay? It's, it's, um, this is a very bad explanation, but it is basically a, a rift in space-time where you, you go in on one side and you come out on the other an impossible distance away. Impossible. 
You go in the hole, and you come out at a place you couldn't have been before. You know what? That's what happened to Joseph, wasn't it? He went in the hole, and he's going to go to Egypt. That sounds like a bad place to be, but it turns out it is the best place to be. His story took a positive turn there, and he didn't even know it. He just knew he was in the hole. Why do you suppose it's so different for us? That when we go in the hole, we think it's over? We see the hole as a dead end instead of a portal to where God wants to take us. Remember that truth. The hole you're in might be the thing that leads you to the fulfillment of God's purposes for you. The realization of the dream, not the destruction of the dream. There's so much more to Joseph's story, and I invite you to read ahead. Pretty much the rest of the book of Genesis, with a few exceptions, is about Joseph or connected to Joseph or the family making their way back around to find out, hey, Joseph is alive, and not only that, he is he's running things. Check it out. There's so much more to Joseph's story, and we know that and we accept that. Yet we miss that there's so much more to our story too. There's much more to your story than where you're at right now today. You've got a lot more living to do. And there's going to be ups, and there's going to be downs, and there's going to be times it feels like you're stuck, times it feels like you're in the hole. But I promise you this, trust God while you're in the hole and you won't stay there. You'll come out wherever He wants you to be, and it might be places you never expected. You know, in my family and ours, we're experiencing some, some things right now. We're waiting to see what God will do. We need God to provide for us, and we're looking around, and it's, it doesn't seem to be happening, but God will come through. And I'm excited, and I'm going to go ahead and praise Him in advance. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but thanks, because <laughs> it's going to be good. I, wanna, I want us to pray right now along those lines, and then we're going to do something special just after that. Heavenly Father, we know it is true. We know it is true that you love us and you have purposes for us. And even in those moments where it seems like everything is falling apart or we're stuck, your dreams for us have not been destroyed. Help us to see what we know is true. Help us to believe it in an experiential way so when we are stuck, when we are discouraged, when we are down, when we are dealing with disappointment and roadblocks, we will not give up, but we will hold on in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you will use the situations we are in to propel us forward into the fulfillment of your dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to do something special before we dismiss. You noticed the cupcakes, and I did mention them. They are for a special purpose. Today we have the unique honor as a church family to celebrate something with an amazing couple in our church. Debbie and James Brady, back here. Wave at the people. I know you won't get James to stand up here. I know you won't go for that. They're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. That's a big deal. We're so happy for you guys. And they want to invite you to partake in some of these, these goodies that they have over here. So if you got a minute or just want to at least grab one for the road and you know, wish them a happy anniversary. And uh, we, we kind of have to do things a little different in COVID times. We don't always get to have uh, the extensive celebrations we'd like to. But they want to share that with their church family. And I would like to, to pray. You have a little prayer for them, okay? Will you pray along with me? Are you guys, 
You're coming. Oh, wow. Okay. Come on up here. Come on up here. <clears throat> For those of you who didn't catch that, that was an audible sigh. Thank you for being a good sport, James. We appreciate you. <laughs> See, here's a wise man. This is a wise man right here. We, yeah, 50 years is a lot of training. My wife's been training me for 20 so far, and I'm not quite housebroken yet, but I'll get there. Let's pray. I want to pray over these folks. Our Father in heaven, we glorify your name for creating this thing called marriage Lord, it is so blessed and yet at times so tough with so many ups and downs, yet you built it as something beautiful and meaningful. And we give you the glory. We praise your holy name for 50 years of marriage. You said that a man shall leave his father and mother and become one with his wife. And Lord, in a, in a troubled world like this is, 50 years is such an accomplishment. It's not possible except by your grace. Lord, we praise you for your mercies never run out. Your compassions never fail. Your blessings are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh, Almighty God. As a church family, we call upon you to renew your blessings on James and Debbie. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. Lord, we pray you'll extend your blessing to their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. You have told us that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting and you keep a covenant of mercy for a thousand generations with those who love you and keep your commandments and may it be so. Fifty years ago, you brought them together in love. And the path has been long and winding, with many ups and downs along the way, and yet you have brought them through, and we glorify your name. We pray you'll give them wisdom for the future, love for the future. None of us know what's ahead, Father, but you, with you, the victory is certain. We pray for James and Debbie that the love that has sustained them would grow and grow continually. Each day, may you increase their love, their forgiveness, their patience, and their trust. God, we give you the glory for 50 years and all the years to come. And I want to lift up every marriage represented in our church family, either in person or listening later on, that you would work wonders in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's have a hand for James and Debbie. Thanks for getting a good sport, James. We appreciate that about you. All right, we're going to conclude our service right there. Unless you, you, you about to say something? No. We just, we praise God and we're going to, we love you guys. We love you guys. I just met, uh, it's so funny, um, Debbie and James were part of the first church I pastored a long time ago when I really was the young preacher, when I really was. And, you know, I really, they've been a, such a special part of this since the earliest days. So we're going to leave it right there. I'm going to ask our young lady who's operating the computer to go ahead and start the, the end credit, so to speak. God bless you guys. Appreciate you being a part of this. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>